The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Caroline Stanbury, star of The Real Housewives of Dubai, entrepreneur, wife, and mother of three, once divorced and now remarried to a much younger man, uncut and uncensored with Caroline Stanbury follows me as I live my life unapologetically and shows you that there is life after 40. I'm here to let you know that not only is there a life after divorce, but you have the power to make it your best one yet, just like I did. So buckle up and join me for the wild ride. So welcome back to another episode of Uncut and Uncensored with Caroline Stanbury. And today I thought I'd leave facelifts behind and talk about teenagers. So many of us, at uh, well, I'm 48 this year, so have teenagers. I happen to have three. I live in a house full of three teens. I have a 17-year-old and I have twin boys. And I'm always getting asked how I navigate this. I mean, what do you mean, how do I navigate this? I live in a house where three quarters of the residents hate me. It's really funny, actually, but it's actually been my most favorite time too, as much as I'm joking. And obviously, sometimes it's a fucking nightmare. It's actually also been the most fun and the most rewarding because I'm getting to a stage where they're actually all my friends and they're completely, completely different humans. So, you know, I have one son who's massively social. He loves to go out. In fact, you know, he's, I mean, what's so funny about teenagers as well. They're like, mom, we never see you. You're never here. You never want to do anything with us. And then you get to a night where you go, okay, I'll do something Friday, Saturday or Sunday with you. No, I've got plans. I've got plans. So basically kids, the rule for any teenager is that parents just stay home all week while they decide five minutes to the clock, the time that they want to leave, that they're free. So you can make no plans. And I've got three that want to go in different directions too. So they always want me on different days. You know, it's funny. So boys are... I remember when, you know, obviously puberty comes and all of this kind of rubbish and you can kind of see that they're beginning to grow moustaches. And I mean, it's really, really funny and sweet. I guess it's good to have Sergio because he can kind of relate to them. And there's a man in the house and, you know, he's young so that they can like ask him stuff too. But I went out and bought this book, like what's happening to my body. And I left it on each of my boys' beds to which I got like, mom, what the fuck is this? Mom, I don't need that. I know what it is. So I got that thrown back in my face. I don't know. I haven't really had the talk other than, you know, they're more interested now in perfumes and colognes and I've taught them skincare and, you know, there's just facial hair everywhere, but they have a dad. So I presume he's teaching them how to do the rest. And they're so different. I can't tell you how different they are. It's funny. I posted this picture on this video on Instagram the other day where I had this like perfectly turned out son and then one that's a complete mess. And nothing's changed, really. They're both like this, except that Aaron used to be the one that wanted to always stay with me. And now it's sort of morphed. It's it's Zach. So Aaron is just, Aaron's a gamer. Aaron's very happy on his own. He doesn't really have a lot of friends. That he, I mean, he has a lot of friends, but he's just happy in his own world. Like, And I don't mind the gaming. So like parents always ask me what my stance on is gaming and all of this. And I mean, I think his father thinks that I'm too weak. But if Aaron wasn't doing sports every single day, which he does after school, and he wants to, like when Aaron is sick, 
really sick. He still wants to get out of bed and go to football. I've never seen anything like it. And he gets so upset with me if I've canceled it or told him he can't possibly go because his fever, he's got a fever. He genuinely wants to go. So if I thought that he was like literally doing nothing else, then okay. I think living in Dubai also, I've sort of given them this, they've grown up quite quickly because, you know, here they can go out till midnight by themselves and I won't worry about it. Sometimes my son, Zach, will wake up and go, you know, get up and he'll go, I'm your mom. I'm going out really late this weekend. And it's really funny because actually, because I'm so cool about it. I'm like, well, what's really late? You know, mom, you know, like 11, 12, one, one at night, like in London, I wouldn't dream of letting my 13 year old out to one at night. Not that I really do here, but because I say he can, he doesn't really want to go, but you know, sometimes a movie ends at 12, whatever it is. But I mean, I don't have to go to that movie. Do you know what a dream that is? Like they just walk themselves off. I, I don't have to panic about it because I live in Dubai. So like my kids are coming home regardless. So, you know, they have this incredible freedom here, which makes them grow up quite, quite a lot that they wouldn't have necessarily anywhere else in the world or couldn't have. Like, you know, when my kids go to London, I'm like, absolutely not. You cannot go to the park on your own. I don't want them on the underground. I won't let them, you know, take public transport, all of these things that they can do on their own here. I have let them travel on their own. You know, my sons for the first time this year started going on planes by themselves. And I had this hilarious, I'm literally going to get, oh my God, I don't even know if I can tell this story because it's so bad. Mother of the Year Award. So Caroline Fleming from my first show invited my son, Zach, to, and I wouldn't do this to Aaron because I don't think Aaron would make his way through the airport on his own very easily. But it was too late to get young flyers. Well, they didn't have it. I can't remember. Anyway, I was thinking, okay, I'll just send him to Denmark and she'll, you know, and then I was going to book him a car the other side straight to Caroline Fleming's house. So I was like, how hard can it be? And I've always told my kids, look, whatever you do, just don't let leave the airport. Because if you're inside the airport, nothing's going to happen to you, right? There's cameras everywhere. So don't leave the airport and wait and call me as soon as you land. And then I was like, so Zach sets off on his own. I haven't told his father, probably the worst thing I could have done. But anyway, never mind. It, it's actually really good because, you know, in the end, all turns out and Zach is still with us. So anyway, off he goes and he's going through all the, you know, passport controls. And I told him to call me as soon as he gets to like the to passport control and just go over through everything with me. Anyway, I, this is so Zach. I don't call him. He doesn't call me forever. So he's already through it. He took a train. He got through passport control, went through security, took a train to another terminal and got on his plane. How he did that, I have no idea. Didn't ask. But anyway, he gets there. He lands in Denmark and calls me the other end and can't remember which his bag is. Right. So I'm like mother of the year. I'm in the gym. Sergio's with me and I'm going, oh, I know this one. I know which bag it is. So he puts on Zoom and I choose the bag and I'm so proud of myself. And I go back to doing my press ups with my trainer. Anyway, as I'm going around the gym, I get a phone call from my ex-husband who goes, why is my suitcase on a luggage belt in Denmark? And I'm like, fuck, 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 fuck. And because like, obviously I haven't told him that Zach is in Denmark by himself. And uh, I just told him he was going to Denmark. I just didn't say like, 
unsupervised. And now Zach is in a car on the way to Caroline's without a suitcase and somebody else's suitcase that I've handed him. So I have so many things going through my head right now. Of like, what the fuck am I going to do? Right. And I'm like, so anyway, I have to fess up, tell Jem that I have to get hold of Zach. So I call Zach and I'm like, shit, darling, the suitcase you've got is not your suitcase. He's like, mom, it is my suitcase. You, you know, and I'm like, no, I don't think it is because the airport's just called and they've got your father's. So anyway, I get onto the man, the man from Denmark airport calls me and he goes, well, if you could just send your, send him back, tell him to come all the way to go through departures, then up to Lost and Found. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, my son is 13 years old. He's never been to Denmark. I'm like, how's he going to do this? Right. So I'm like, Jesus Christ. So I call Caroline Fleming, who is absolutely useless in times of crisis and in a meeting God knows where. So she's like, I can't help. Anyway, so, and the taxi driver, what an asshole. He goes, I've got another booking after you, so I can drop him off, but I can't take him. So I'm like, oh my God. So anyway, I tell the lovely man, he was so sweet in Lost and Found, that my son is 13 years old. He's never been to Denmark and there's no way he's going to be able to go through departures, go back, find you and the, the bag in three different places. So could you meet him some, somehow? So anyway, they they end up meeting. I swap the numbers. They, they end up finding each other. And then, of course, there's no driver because it's the weekend and everything goes off from Denmark. So he has to get a, just a normal cab in a normal cab queue to Caroline Fleming's house where he's never been before in his life. Anyway, cut to he gets there. All is fine. The suitcase is fine. And I have won Mother of the Year Award. I am a disaster. Oh, this isn't actually the, just a, a one part of the story I forgot because he's like, how do I how do I find the, the luggage belt, mummy, when I get off a plane? I'm like, well, you're in economy, right? So look around, see a stranger that you recognize, look for somebody there and follow him from the plane. So I literally thought about it the other day. I'm like, I've told my son to follow a stranger to the luggage belt. I've then put him in the car with the wrong bag. I mean, a complete fucking disaster. Literally. Thank God it wasn't Aaron. He'd have been on his like hands and knees in a com you know complete state. But anyway, Zach actually managed it all and it all worked out. But I just, I don't know. I think the amazing thing is that teens today and, 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 you know, I talked to my son in a very funny way, like he's a little adult. And we, we, we laughed and laughed about this. Obviously, he's like, oh, God, mom, you're useless. And I suppose I have got more useless the older I get, you know, but it's very funny, the relationship I have them because he just loves to be with me and I love to be with Zach. And I know that a lot of you think I don't have kids because they're not really around me on my social media. But Again, I was just working out with Sergio today because we want to make a Christmas card picture with all the matching pajamas, how much that would cost me and if it's worth it. So we were figuring out that the cost of, you know, paying my children to pose with us probably wasn't worth it and that we should just like do cardboard cutouts of their faces and shove them onto the dog's heads. And that way we'll get a family picture. Because even if I do pay them, they're not going to let me post it anyway. So it's kind of pointless. It's such a roller coaster, isn't it? It's like one day they love me and the next day they actually hate me. And I get the door slammed in your face. Oh, it's so funny. My other son, is it? No, is that that's the one son again. All his friends come over and, like, of course, when the friends are there, they want to be cool, right? So they're like, oh, mom, go away. Or he'll go, he'll go run upstairs and go, fuck you, mom. And then he'll come running down going, sorry, sorry, mom, sorry, love you. Because, you know, he wants to look cool in front of his friends. I mean, 
just makes me howl with laughter. Um, and some of you out there will be going, what on earth goes on in your house? Well, I, you know, I don't know. I actually don't know. My house is a madhouse, an actual madhouse. And that's, I think, what keeps Sergio loving it too. We just, it makes us giggle every day. Yasmin had like the rug, rugby sevens this weekend. So she had like 13 friends for like, I don't know, they call it a gathering, which I sent over to my best friend Michael's house because I was filming and God, he's a saint. But Yasmin's another one. You see, it's like, you never know what you're going to wake up to. You really don't. Sometimes she's my best friend. She wants to do makeup, nails, all of that, go for dinner. And then other times I'm just the worst mother in the world. I'm putting it all down to hormones with all of them, especially now that I'm learning more and more about my own hormones and how different you feel. Teenagers just have them absolutely roaring around their bodies. And I think that, you know, that's something just so special yet so chaotic about teenage years in a house that I can imagine now I see why empty nesting will be so difficult because it would leave such a massive hole in the home. You know, just the little things the noise downstairs, the constant in and out, the asking you, you know, questions, the slamming of the door. Boys, my boys, you know, well, Aaron loves to do everything in his bedroom. He eats in his bedroom. He sleeps in his bedroom. He plays in his bedroom. I barely see him, but I'm, I, and, and it's dark. I presume, I know that that's a teenage thing to do. Yasmin used to do the same. The curtains were always drawn and they came out for food and water, but so Aaron doesn't even come out for food or water anymore. And it doesn't, again, I go in there, you know, check on them and they're fine. As long as my kids are happy and I know they're happy because I know there's a lot today with teenage depression and anxiety, the world has sort of presented them with so much of how it's meant to be. I mean, I have one of my sons is always like, well, what if I'm not successful, mom? What if I'm not like you? And how can I be, you know, what if I'm homeless? And I'm thinking, where does that come from? We never, I mean, I never thought like that. And the pressure they have on them today to perform, I simply don't agree with because to have children that work all year and then to be judged on one exam, I think is absolutely nuts to me how you can judge, you know, whether, whether somebody's going to be clever. I always believe, I mean, I was never great at school in the end. I was great when I was younger, but not older. And, you know, I, I love the way my mind works. I'm a problem solver. I get shit done. And I think out of the box and I think, you know, kids need to have, you know, the freedom to think on their own. And I think school, you know, sort of teaches them that they have to think like other people, which, you know, obviously for discipline and for being able to get through life, thinking like other people and being able to sort of conform is important. But I genuinely think in business, non-confirmation and pushing yourself to be different and not to follow the crowd. And, you know, like if, in teenagers, I can't keep up with their friend groups. One minute they all love each other and, you know, and the next minute they've all got beef and then I get behind the beef. And then the next week I've got to forgive them all because they're all back in my house. So like, you know, it's up and down. It's so dramatic to be a teenager in today's world. Everything's the end of the world and everything is, is 
just very important. And I keep trying to remind them and myself of what it, myself of what it was like to be a teenager because I, you know, I don't have the memory like a, of a sieve. But to tell them not to take it so seriously that these people will not be in their lives genuinely, you know, in ten years, even five years once they've gone to university. And the thing is about Dubai, I suppose they've been in the same school for what eight, seven, or eight years now. So their friends have been around them forever. But you know, as soon as everybody goes off in the other direction to to um, university, that'll change. So I think being a teenager, I've just sort of, I'm teaching them how to put their toothpaste on. Well, this is my hack, by the way, teenage spots, toothpaste, absolutely brilliant. I'm, you know, teaching them how to do hygiene, all of these things. You know, there's a lot of links going around my house, a lot of like, you know, the shaving, the books, making sure, sure they've got the right shampoos, the toothpaste they want, the right clothes that they want. I've told them not to give in to peer pressure, you know, standing on your own and not caring and not to be bullied by people. Because I think, it, you know, it's very difficult at their age not to be pushed into doing things that other people are doing. So, you know, it's figuring out who you are as an individual and not as a class because, you know, and that's just development and that's just, you know, we all go through it. I mean, I'm going through it at 48. I'm still learning who I am every bloody day, but it's okay to be different. And I think that's really, really important. You know, whereas at 17, the girls are like, you know, they've got boyfriends now, you know, they're all going out and actually they're a lot more sensible than we were. My daughter's had a serious boyfriend for about a year and a half now, which is, you know, fine. But what what happens when they go to school later? I don't know. But, you know, I always th thought that they should fool around more when you're younger than, than have this long, you know, drawn out relationship. There's plenty of time for all of these things. But, you know, and my boys are at an age where, you know, girls just aren't interesting yet. But I mean, it's coming. It's coming. And at the same time, you know, I've just learned to be cool to be cool with everything. My daughter is like, you know, she travels with me and she always brings a friend because it makes life so much easier on me if she's happy, happy kids, happy life and happier for all of us. And my boys, you know, are at a stage now where, well, you know, I'm going to have to do the same for them. So I'm thinking this year, what kind of holiday to take them on where I can just shove, like I get a big house and all of them just bring a friend and they'll be happy as Larry, right? Because that's all they want to do. They want to lie around and teenagers aren't exploring really. They're not interested in climbing Mount Kilimanjaro and looking around and looking at, you know, what flowers or volcanoes have existed. They're much more interested in sort of hanging out and playing pool and swimming and I don't know what it is. So I'm thinking Bali this year, but you know, it's a minefield really. It's an actual minefield because we have to take everything seriously. We have to think about, you know, when they come to you and say, well, what if I don't have a job or my friend hates me? To them, it's the end of the world. To them, it's a real, real issue. And to me right now, I'm like, I mean, if only you knew. This is just the beginning. I'm always saying to my sons, forget anything. Don't think about it. Don't give it an hour's thought. This You've got so far to even begin to worry about this stuff. And I suppose, you know, it's interesting that they think like that because again, where does that come from? Honestly, like 
Why, why would you even think that you'd be homeless or not have a job at this stage in our lives? Everyone will get a job. Everyone gets a job. Everyone's okay. We need to teach our children that it's always going to be okay. And that can only come from you. That can only come from, you know, sort of us instilling the confidence in them that everything's going to be okay, not allowing them to be pushed down by other people. And I think it all of that stems from inner confidence and 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 also, you know, the children that they have around them because cyberbullying, school bullying, it's so prevalent that you need to teach your children how to cope with things without you. There are so many helicopter mums out there now. And that's why I suppose, I mean, that, you know, you don't have to be like me where I really have just pushed them out the door and say, get on with it, sink or swim. But, you know, I don't believe in mollycoddling because in the world we're in now, it's the harsh reality is you can't be there the whole time. You cannot, and you can't save them. And they need to learn to save themselves and they need to have coping mechanisms for not everybody liking them because that's going to happen too. And the good thing about what my job does is they've read, you know, I think Zach was saying the other day, he was sticking up for me at school because someone was saying something horrible. And I said, don't, don't stick up for me, darling. Don't absolutely don't want you to fight for me. I, I, you know, first of all, I'm tough as old boots. Second of all, you know, I can fight for myself. You know, someone's got something to say to me, say it. I don't care. You know, I've heard it all before. I've heard everything. And I said, you know, you should never be hurt by words. Words are, you know, they're just words. What, what, so that's your opinion, not everybody's opinion. And I think teaching him and saying it, or teaching all my teenagers like this, and just saying it is matter of frankly, matter of fact, like this, it kind of takes the, the emotion out of it. You know, they don't feel like, you know, my son was like, oh, I'm always going to defend my family. And I'm like, no, of course. Always say, you know, like we're, we're, we're very close, but there's no need to defend mommy because I've chosen a very out there job that you didn't choose to be in. And everyone's going to have an opinion from, you know, and also for my kids, there aren't really any other mothers like me at the school, right? So there's no one doing what I do where everybody can read, I don't know, everything I do. So, you know, I, I don't go to school very often because I know that they, they kind of find it embarrassing. So I try and stay out of their way. I think it's like when you get divorced, how you react to it yourself dictates how your children react. And I am calm as a cu cucumber. You know, I don't let things sort of rattle me that they tell me or, you know, and I just, I tell them that everything can be managed like this and everything can be sorted in life. There's no need to send yourself into a complete sort of haze of like, what the fuck do I do now? And this way it just calms them. I've also started to sort of teach my kids, my one son, especially breathing, nose, mouth, breathing, things like that to calm themselves at the end of the day, if they ever panic about stuff. I know that one of my children sort of suffers from social anxiety and doesn't like to be on her own, doesn't like to meet new people, all of these things, which I find so bizarre because I love to meet new people and I'm always around new people. So I don't understand it, but okay. And she's crippled by that kind of stuff. And so she always wants to be with the same friends and she likes her routine and she likes to be, you know, she's had all the same friends for years and years and years. So, you know, for me, I would like her to spread her wings more, but again, she's her own person. I can't 
force that because she's not like her mother and she doesn't particularly want to be like me. And my other sons are much more out there. And it is so funny that three children from the same parents can be so utterly different. All I can teach them is when you bring a problem, we identify it. What's the problem? What's the steps to solving it? You know, they know they can talk to me about absolutely anything. I don't care what it is. As long as they bring it to me, they're not in trouble. And, you know, that gives an open dialogue for everything. And I'm so proud of, I don't know, I suppose the way I I handle my teens, because I didn't have that. And that's not to shame my parents, but like, I couldn't talk to them about anything absolutely anything, which actually impacted me for the rest of my life because I found it so hard to talk to anyone about anything sort of really important or embarrassing or, you know, I tried to deal with everything on my own. And actually that's not the way. And I want my kids to come and share everything with me. I don't know whether they do or don't with their father. I, I don't ask, but they do with me and they tell me all their problems, embarrassing or not. And, you know, we solve it. We solve it in the best possible way. And there's no voice raising. There's no anger. You know, as I said, as long as I'm told, that's it. And, you know, all of these things, you know, when you go forward with other stuff. So, you know, as they grow up, there are going to be things that I don't like. I mean, we don't really have the problem of alcohol and drugs here. But, you know, that's not to say I don't think my kids are going to try all of the above at some point. I am sure they will. You know, we can't all sit here in this sort of cloud and go, oh, they're never going to try drugs and they're never going to drink. Well, you know, that then you're living in cloud la-la land, aren't you? I mean, of course they are. We all did. We all sort of, you know, congregated around a bike shed and had a quick swig of a bottle, you know, and it, it happens. You come home with drunk teenagers everywhere. It happens. So you may as well prepare yourself. What that looks like, I don't know. I mean, again, in this country, I'm fairly lucky. It's not easy to happen. And the punishments for that kind of stuff is pretty out there. But when you travel and things like that, how can you stop them? You can't. So you need to prepare them. You need to prepare your, your kids for all of these things and to have, again, an open dialogue so that they know they can come to you. If someone is offering them drinks, I would rather that eventually, if I'm on holiday, that they tried a glass of wine with me. If I'm at dinner and, you know, Yasmin's 17, 18 now, and she wants to have a glass of wine, then she'll have one with me when we're on holiday. Fantastic. You know, why the fuck not? Because genuinely, when you take the I don't know, when you take the, the not the mystery, but more the, the naughtiness of taking it, you know, or, or saying no, as soon as you say no, everybody wants everything more. It's like that's just universals with every, absolutely everything in life. It's like, it's an addiction, isn't it? It's like with adults, you tell them you can't have it, they want it. So I kind of feel like kids are the same and they're going to do it regardless. So you may as well prepare yourself and prepare yourself well. And, and in the way that you want, want it to happen. I'm going to be dealing with the, you know, sex soon. I haven't thought about too much in my head, but like, I don't want it to be a dirty word. I really don't. I was made to feel like, you know, it was dirty and that, you know, totally taboo and could never happen. But I can assure you, I mean, when I first had sex, I couldn't fucking believe it. I was like, oh, I waited all my life for this. 
And, it, you know, I would hope the person that was with isn't listening. But it wasn't, you know, I, I, I defy anyone to say the first time was the best time that they've ever had. It's a fucking disaster. So, you know, you may as well, like, prepare your kids for this. It's not what you think. It's not going to be this earth-shattering moment. And I also don't want it to be. And I don't know how this looks either because I'm saying it, but how does it look? I don't want it to be in a back alley. So I'd rather know about it again and then figure out where I go from there because times have changed. And it's, you know, it shouldn't be that kids are looking in park benches to find, to have a quick fumble. Again, these are all things you have to think about and see what you're comfortable with and talk it through with the teenager. And I guess, well, co-parenting the teens, what's my view? I mean, oh, I don't run everything by Jem. I maybe should, but we're pretty good because he's pretty cool too. We both understand what's possible and what's not and what you can police and what you cannot. I think, you know, Yasmin has a very cool relationship now with her dad too. So, and they travel a lot together. So I, you know, I presume she keeps the line open as much as we can. We keep the same stance, but some things, you know, I, I look, I, I'm, I've been divorced for five years. I can't run every two minutes down to him. But we tried to keep the same rules in each house, but it, you know, we're just two different people, so it's not going to work. But, you know, look, there is no right or wrong. I think teenage years are the most difficult for children anyway, because they're, they're growing, you know, they're finding their feet in the world. They're going through that terrible gawky stage of like spots or some of them are fat because they haven't gone up. They've gone out, not up. They feel gawky. You know, you haven't quite grown into yourself. I don't know. Have you got boobs? Have you not? Periods are coming. You know, balls are dropping. Voices are dropping. Facial hairs appearing. Leg hairs appearing. All of these things. There's just so much to navigate that, you know, I feel like home needs to be the haven. I feel like home needs to be their safe space and somewhere that they can just take solace in because the world's so fucking crazy right now that when they come home that they just don't have any judgment there. And that's all I can really tell you because I'm I'm in the thick of it. Other than that, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. My boys are really enjoying playing sport and doing things like that with Sergio. I do what I can, but you know, I'm just a figure that's here really in the background just to support them. But what I can say is I'm loving every minute of my teenage house right now. I really am. There's music pumping through it. I put it through in on in the morning. I've got the house set up so it works really well. My assistant is back. The kids love her. Everything's working and I'm relaxed. And the relaxed house is a happy house. And yeah, we really, really don't have many all out fights at the moment. It used to know. And, you know, I know that I've only got one more summer left with Yasmin. So it's a really weird but amazing time. And I'm so proud of the little people they're becoming. So proud. And I don't add pressure to them because the one thing I'll say in this crazy, crazy, crazy world, I know they're going to be all right. I am not worried because they're just great humans. I don't believe in the system as it was. 
And I think if I have a baby with Sergio now, I will bring it up very, very differently. Watch this space, people, because I'm going to be trailblazing a new kind of childhood for kids because I actually think way too much pressure was put on our generation and this generation. And it's unnecessary pressure to get to the life that we all want. We are taught that if you don't conform, you won't get. And that's simply not true. So thank you for listening to another episode of Uncut and Uncensored with Caroline Stanbury. I hope this helps you a little bit. It's more to do with just, you know, I think the more relaxed we are, the better we are. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. You can catch my new episode of my podcast every Wednesday. Please don't forget to follow so you don't miss any of the action. I want to hear from you, so leave me a rating and a review. Follow us on social for all the behind-scenes action and more information at Uncut and Uncensored by Caroline. See you next week.